Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Before you guys get started, this segment of Mackie and Judd with Rami is brought to you by Fred Aloni's Ace Hardware, proud sponsor of the beer show. It can be heard here every Thursday at 6. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Thanks for starting off the hour here. Yeah. Of a Rami-less Mackie and Judd with Rami show. And we we do appreciate it. We've, we've gotten a lot of email feedback and social media feedback. And we are definitely reading your reviews on Apple and your obscure Minnesota athlete favorites. That's right. And we a lot of a lot of positive feedback with Rami being part of the show. So it's been fun. It's been fun having him for the last month or so. Sometimes you add someone new to the show, and it's like, uh-oh, is this going to work? This guy's, the audience get, this guy's awful. <laughs> the audience guy's gets used to something for yeah. five years or so, and it's been fun having Rami around. Five stars, baby. Give us yeah. five stars. Please do. On Apple or wherever you download your podcast. So we both have lists in front of us of 2019 free agent wide receivers. Now, I'm only including the unrestricted free agents because the restricted ones get a little dicey. They're more expensive. Yeah. The Vikings aren't. I don't think they're going to sign a restricted free agent and possibly overpay for their third wide receiver, unless it's Antonio fair. Brown in a trade. But it's you, an Antonio you know, Brown free. I song. love when a guy promises he won't mention a guy and then he brings him right up. <laughs> so five oh five. How, how do you want to do this? Do you have your own list, or should I just go I've through got, some of the names I've and then got we can names, them? But just go through your go through your your names because they're probably since we both went with unrestricted, they're probably they're probably both very close to being the same. All right. Actually, I have. Let's do this first. I have one name that I I would say, yep, I'm in. Okay, like hands down. All right. Do you have any names like that? Because I kind of want to go three, two, one, and see if we match on a name. Like, who's the number one guy on your list? I've Don't, got I got four names. I've got okay. four, but I'm not. There's not one uh, smoking gun here for me. Cole Beasley is my smoking gun. Okay. Slot. You can now. You could argue maybe you need more of an outside guy, but I would say in that third wide receiver responsibility, I just want a safety blanket. I want a dude that is just open on third down and seven and won't drop a pass. Turns 30 in April. What are you willing to offer him? So he only made about $3 million last year with the Cowboys. So, you know, if if we're talking about similar money, it wasn't like he had a... he, He was fine last year. I guess it was his second best season ever, but... He's a 60-catch, five or 600-yard guy. He's a number three wide receiver. And I don't think number three wide receivers need to make more than about three, three and a half million dollars. Okay, so I, I would give him a few million dollars okay. just for a safety blanket. All right. Here are some other names. Adam Humphreys. 
I have him as well. So I think he's going to be really expensive because he's 26 years old, unlike some of these other 30, 31-year-old guys. Mm -hmm. Coming off a 76-catch, 800-yard, five-touchdown season with the Buccaneers, and that's a... That's a tough quarterback. He's situation. another slot guy, though. Yep. He's, so to your to your point, unless uh, somebody signs him to move him outside, you could potentially, if he's a slot guy, mm-hmm. could potent, uh, potentially convince him to take the uh, requisite amount to play that position as well. Yeah, I just I feel like, like that one. He's gonna. I think he's gonna get more than a Cole Beasley because he's five years younger. Okay, and he's probably more in line for a multi year contract. And if you're the Vikings, you might be looking for one or two year stopgap guys. Can I give you one? Sure. Golden Tate. He was next on my list. Golden Tate to me. This is the Golden Tate is the exact type of guy I want. I think we need to keep in mind, and he became a punchline, and that's too bad, but I think we need to keep in mind how bad Laquan was. Like, Laquan Treadwell was unplayable, and they continued to play him. Mm-hmm. And Cousins, right or wrong, and we can all say he was wrong, threw to him. Like, he's like, if he's on the field, I'm throwing to him. You have to. And right. But. If we want to absolve Kirk and just say, all right, he was given this guy who was not good, Laquan Treadwell struggled to hang on to the football. It wasn't as gloriously of a dumpster fire as Troy was because in in Williamson's case, he dropped deep passes and they bounced off his face mask. And so it was really, really bad. <laughs> he's our uh, he's our random Minnesota athlete of the day across Score North Social it's Media. It's fantastic. <laughs> but... In Troy's case, he dropped deep passes, and so it was awful. Because you watch that, and you're like, I can't believe he, he dropped that. But go back and and watch Laquan's drops. They're bad. They're just short passes. So Golden Tate, to me, solves your problem. He is a short-term solution. Yeah. He can catch the ball. I think he's good. I don't know if, if he didn't fit in after he got traded from Detroit to uh Philly, or what happened there, he obviously was not as effective as the Eagles expected him to be. But I think if you brought him in here, got the offseason camps in and training camp, he would be just fine. I'll give you another name. Vikings fans might cringe at this one, but he really, really intrigues me. And it's possible he, because this guy, this is a guy who made about $10 million a year on his last contract. So I, I the price tag might not match up. Randall Cobb. Yeah. I, I think Randall Cobb no problem. has tried Tread left on the tires. He, uh, I think he's going to be 30 years old when the season starts. Mm-hmm. Or somebody's 29, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And the, the question here would be, are you going to have to overpay because Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback? Which is like Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings was a good wide receiver, but Aaron Rodgers bumped his price tag 12, up. 12, you mean? 12. Bumped his price tag up. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, Randall Cobb. Only played in nine games last year for the Packers. Hasn't played a full 16-game slate since 2015. So you could counteract, well, hey, I put up decent numbers and I made $10 million with, yeah, but you can't stay healthy and you're in the market for maybe a prove-it contract. I'd be fine with that. Because he's the type of dude, when I think of safety blankets, guys on third down, who's not going to drop a pass on third and eight? Who can get open in the red zone? Uh, in in a short field situation, there's two questions, right? Two questions, and they're very simple. And unfortunately, uh, Laquan and Cordero Patterson both struggled to answer both questions. Can you run a route? Because it takes some work to go to the right place and be in the right place. Can you run a route? And if you can run said route, can you catch the ball? I love the like the job interview setting of. Okay, um, just looking at your resume here, that's great. Can you run a route? <laughs> but think you, about it. Are you capable of catching a pass on third down and four? <laughs> if the quarterback calls a certain play, can you run that route? Yeah. 
Uh, Randall Cobb also has one of the highest catch percentages, if you want to go geeky stat nerd here, in, in, of, of any wide receiver the last seven or eight years or so. So he last year was down a little bit, injuries, and the Packers were kind of a disaster. But ordinarily, he catches 70% of the passes thrown to him, which is right in line with Adam Thielen's career percentage. Okay. I, and I would it be helps fine when, with that. It helps when Aaron Rodgers is throwing precise bullets right between your numbers. Unlike, but I think he can catch the ball. Yep. I think he is. You're not looking. In, in the case of Jennings, you signed him to be your top guy, I believe, at that time, right? So you're not looking for that. You're looking for a guy who can do his job. Uh, here, here's one that might be a little bit too expensive but would intrigue me. Baltimore's John Brown, who's 29. Okay. He intrigues me. Deep threat, right? Yes, that's yes. A, that's he like can a... make he can make some plays, but but keep in mind the one thing the one thing, and I'm, I'm not going to pay a ton, but the one thing if you're talking about the, the current group of receivers on this depth chart is Thielen can play the slot. So like if you go Diggs and Brown outside, Thielen inside, yeah. you're you're fine. The difference though to what you're saying is this: if you come and say, "Well, I'm a deep threat, and therefore I should get five years X amount," I might say no. All right, I'll see your John Brown and raise you a Demarius Thomas. 31 hmm. years old now. I passed him by on my in in my uh research for this so segment. Demarius know. Thomas has made hmm. Let me make the case for Demarius Thomas for a second here. Okay. So he's coming off a of, see he's post Peyton Manning now. So he's post big contract. He that dude made 14 million dollars a year on his last contract. Yep. Uh, I believe he spent last year with Houston in the AFC. He did. So he's past his peak years. He's made all the money he needs to make. Not that money won't be a deciding factor. Yeah. But if it just comes down to, hey, he wants to chase another ring. Could could the Vikings present a landing spot for a guy for a lot less money? Could he could he bounce around? For the next two or three years, and the Vikings maybe are one of those teams looking to win another championship. I got a problem though here. Tore his Achilles late December and is is going to start the year probably on the pup. But if he's even around does for the torn, second half of the season, does a torn Achilles scare you off though? With a guy who's thirty one, isn't torn is torn Achilles? I thought torn Achilles was like a six month injury now, or is that am I underselling that? I think you're underselling well, you torn Achilles. You can probably get him for a cheaper contract because of it. That's so true. You can get him for a cheaper contract, maybe a one year prove it deal, and he sits out for the first six weeks. But you have him as a late season weapon, gives you still the option to get another guy. That would intrigue me. If, if, if I could get another guy, I know torn Achilles for guys like Phil Lodeholt is career ending because yeah. he weighed three hundred. I feel like torn. I feel like torn Achilles at thirty one for a guy who's supposed to be somewhat fast and run is a problem. Well, he he and maybe I'm maybe my assessment ACLs is ACLs I think are more now. Hey, sure, guy be fine. I'm less interested in the speed or downfield aspect of him, and more interested you, yeah. in guy who can just catch a pass on third third and eight. Randall Cobb, I like. I like that one a lot. Randall Cobb, Cole Beasley, because you me can up. get Randall Cobb because you can convince him. I think take this contract, dude. You're you're good, but you've been hurt a, a lot. You know what? Make it a one year contract. I don't care. Make good. Have yeah. come here, play 16 games, be good. Man, Randall Cobb you can run there, a route. There's such a long list of guys who made so much more money than they would have because Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre were their quarterbacks. We J- talked remember about Javon that. Walker? Yes, Javon remember, Walker. I covered him. Yeah, Javon Walker was Sidney Rice before Sidney Rice. Yeah, the two thousand was it two thousand four. Javon had been basically a disappointment, not a bust, but not great. And I want to say two thousand three or four, 
Favre decided, you're my guy. I think it was four because I want to say Donald Driver had been his guy in 2003 and Driver was getting old. Yeah. And in 2004, it was, Phil, like, it was uncanny. When, when I saw Rice start to explode in 2009, it was like the same guy. It's like Favre, teams never it's like Favre touched his head and said, Javon, <laughs> you're my guy this year. Actually, he said, uh, Javon, are you my guy? Maybe. And then you know what he did to him. Javon, I'm sure, has not forgiven Brett to this day. So Javon has the big 2004, gets a contract, or wants a contract for 2005, doesn't get it if I'm not mistaken, holds out, and guess who comes out and questions him in the media in 2005? Old trusty Brett. Old Brett Favre, yeah. who, if I'm not mistaken, did the same thing to Sterling Sharp back in the day when Sterling was holding out to start like the 90, I don't know, four season. It's kind of funny. He did the same exact thing. Let me throw another name or two at you here. Dante Moncrief. Remember Dante Moncrief? It was T.Y. Hilton. The, I had to put the readers on to look at Dante Moncrief. It was for, for the first four years of Andrew Luck's career, it was T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief. Or, and, and Moncrief had one year where he went for, I don't know, almost 1,000 yards or something. Most recently with Jacksonville. Okay. And he had a decent bounce back season with Jacksonville last year. Oh, he's still not that old. No. 26? I think Dante Moncrief has been known to have a case of the drops once in a while. And the Vikings probably don't need yeah, to get their down. Okay. Say no more. So. Say no more. But uh, I don't but need any more guys to drop the ball. The two main safety blankets, if I had to distill this list down to three that I would just say, all right, whatever, I'll take them. Golden Tate, Cole Beasley, and Randall Cobb. Who's the cheapest? I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rami uh, out today under the weather. 651-646-8255. If you've got thoughts on... If you have Cole Beasley takes, I want to hear them. <laughs> But Hot we, Cole Beasley takes. We also have a Judd State of the However. Wild address and Pat down in Florida. If he can get reception on the beach that he was sending photos out. That SLB. Hey, Minnesota sports fans. Phil Mackey here introducing you to the all-new Score North on 1500. Well, you'll find Purple Daily at noon, Matthew Collar 2-4, to four, and Mackey and Judd with Rami from 4-6. to six. Over at scorenorth.com, that's S-K-O-R, in addition to great written content, you'll find some of the most entertaining local Minnesota sports podcasts. Purple Podcast, Raised by Wolves, Myron Metcalf, on hoops, touch them all, Royce Unchained, and plenty more. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at Score North. Minnesota Sports, anytime, anywhere. Thank you. That's Jonathan Harrison. He is our right hand man on the production. And it's Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Rami is out today under the weather. He'll be back hopefully tomorrow. Before we get to your Judd Zilgad State of the Wild address, we were going to do this on yesterday's show. We just ran out of show. I got a Luol Deng take for you. Okay, Manny and I were just were just chatting it up in the hallway here. They just got done recording tonight's Raised by Wolves episode. Dane Moore joined the show. You can find it live here on Score North on 1500 right after we're done in about 45 minutes. But how, how contracts shape the way we feel about players. So is Luol Deng still being, he's still being paid by the Lakers, right? He's on, is he on the last year of that like $18 think, million dollar contract? Yeah, I think that's correct. So the Lakers paying Luol Deng, let's call it $15 million a year, whatever it was, yep. to sit on the bench and do nothing, much like when the Yankees paid Carl Pavano $12, $15 million to be terrible and wind up on the back page of the New York Post. And it's just venom. Get this guy out of here. He's an albatross. He's terrible, right? Yep. Well, Luol Deng comes to the Timberwolves, and he scores 13 points in a couple games. Like, he plays four games, and... The bar is set really low for what you expect. Oh my God, he played 36 minutes and scored 13 points and like played defense a couple times. Yeah, and we laud it, and we should laud it because Luol Deng is 32, going on 100 in basketball years. Mm-hmm. But 
we laud it based on him making almost nothing to the Timberwolves cap. If Luol Deng was making the money that Andrew Wiggins was making, and every once in a while he's he'd play 36 minutes and score 13 points, we'd be like, oh, finally, Luol Deng gave you something, right? Yeah, rightfully so. So it's, just a, it's, a, it's an amazing example of how, how much a player makes is so crucial and handcuffed to the way we think about their sure. performance on a nightly basis. And it's also the perception of that player when they arrive based on contract and based on, I mean, Luol Deng here came here as sort of Tibbs' guy. Tibbs never played him. I think he played him like four times. Yeah. And now he's seen as contributing. And he's seen as a sort of a sage of the locker room, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and you know, you look at the contract he got from the Lakers, and you're like, that's crazy. But here, and the other thing, too, is is the game against Houston. He starts and plays, and we're all like, so that's what a guy who plays hard playing that spot's supposed to look like, huh? Yeah. And Wiggy, you're like, you know, and the, fr- the frustration with Andrew is le- completely legit. Like, the Maurer thing, right, we can all debate that. But Joe was Joe was hurt a lot, and, and Joe certainly didn't live up to what the perception of that contract was going to be. But there was never a time where it was legit to be like, does Joe even give a damn? Joe did care. Joe cared deeply. He disappointed at some points, I get that. But when it comes to Wiggy... There's a legitimate question, and you see a 32-year-old who, as you said, is going on 97, and you see him play and care and be engaged, and you're like, that's it. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. So in that case, I think the sports fan is sort of right, because the sports fan there is like, it doesn't, you didn't, it's not like Dang had, had to score 35 points. He scored 13 points. But you're still watching him, and you're saying, okay, I can identify. That's what that guy's supposed to do. Yeah, like if Andrew Wiggins was a second-round pick and made $6 million and once in a while popped up and gave you a 35-point performance, you'd say, this is great, this is awesome, but we're constantly, and and correctly, I'm not ripping it, I'm saying it's just a, a fascinating experiment how we're constantly weighing a player's value, how much money they make relative to how good they are. But this is also the conversation, and, and this gets to be very tricky and very dangerous at times, but it's a legit conversation about who you are right about, who cares, and who doesn't. The Maurer thing. Like, we could talk about Joe all we want, but you can never convince me to my dying day that Joe didn't care. And some people be like, of course he didn't care. He took the money and ran. And I was like, no, that's BS. But you watch certain guys play, and there's no question in your mind that if they do care, they take large amounts of times where they don't. I almost feel like you can't, if if you care, there's no like you almost have to shut that that pipeline of communication off. It would be really hard in today's age to be a Luol Deng. Well, let me back it up. It, 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 you make that much money, like your life is fine, and you have a family and things. I mean, it's it's first world problems. But we're professionally. Talking about. But you could pretty much never log on to social media. Well, let's use Kirk Cousins as an example, okay? Yeah. I know we were goofing on his tweets, and like he sends out some weird tweets, and he's clearly been coached on how to be more engaging on social media. <laughs> hey, tag a couple friends in this tweet. Is that it's how like, this guy sounds? That's, that's how Kirk sounds in, his, in my head when he's concocting these tweets. <laughs> All right, everybody. But... You know, Kirk Cousins can't send a tweet off about anything. Like it can literally just be it can be a photo of of his family at Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. And a hundred people are gonna reply with some snarky remark about how he sucks and he doesn't really deserve twenty seven million dollars. But then again, if you make twenty seven million dollars and you're playing professional football and you're on TV all the time, you know what you're signing up for. Right. 
So it would just be like if you're Lou Waldeng and you're in Los Angeles, or you're Carl Pavano in New York. You pretty much can't be on social media if you care. Back to your point, how much how much stock can you put into it? Tell me this depends on how much interaction you want to have with humans. If you're a player, <laughs> if you're a player and you're good, and you're criticized though, but you're good. What's the advantage to it though? What's the advantage to being on Twitter? What's the advantage? Like like there, what co- there like what is Cousins none. is doing right now? We can debate if he should be criticized for his tweets. But let's just break this down to the very simple question. What's the advantage to him? I don't see it. Yeah, the only, like I wouldn't be near it. The only the only advantages I can see to to let's say let's call it being publicly media friendly. Now I'm not saying being a friendly person because you can still sign autographs and be friendly at training camp and things, but is if you're trying to build an audience or build a brand for after football or to make more money during football, but you could also snap your fingers when you're done playing football, yes. if you're on that level, and start an account and get 10 million followers right away, yes. or 5 million followers. Yes. So I feel like it's definitely still at the point where there's way more downside or way more opening up to unnecessary criticism and negative energy and feedback than positive upside. And I don't think that's unfair because you are paid millions. And you and you bite this off. So it's not like you're like, well, I just thought I was playing quarterback for the Vikings, and now I'm being criticized. Yeah. You know what, what the price is, right? So I don't think that you can sit there and be like, why am I being criticized? I'm just trying to be an everyday Joe. Well, you're not, and you know that. Wouldn't it be weird, whether it's like you and I can put ourselves in this situation a little bit because we open up for criticism and definitely check our at replies every day, and there's people telling us we're idiots and that we should be fired, et cetera. But like, if you worked a nine to five job and you had media publications covering your company and covering your performance. And there were fans who paid money to follow you. And those people were constantly in your ear on a regular basis about how bad you are or, or trying to get you to be different or better. It would be really hard to just do your job. So I would almost feel whether I'm an accountant or a football player, I would almost feel like, if there's that many people trying to judge me on a regular basis, I don't know if I could engage. I would probably have to go dark like LeBron does, at least during the season and or I think during the playoffs. And, and but they are, the trade-off is there's that many people who care that deeply, which is very cool. For sure. You have to appreciate that, too, because yes. that's why you make the money that you make. But if, I, but if I'm employed by a team and I'm making millions of dollars per year and playing in a crucial sport that people care about deeply... I appreciate that, but that means, and I think this is fair, that I can't engage. Like during that time, I can't engage. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps after my season, I can. Perhaps after my career, for sure, I can. But you know, that that's what I look at cousins tweeting, and my basic question comes back to, what's the upside, Kirk? <laughs> you're just getting hammered by no, you. but I mean, <laughs> but like, okay, you're in you you're rich. Which is great. You get to travel by private plane, probably, which is fantastic. You've got a wife and kids, and it's fantastic. But what's the upside to sharing that? Because the downside is these people are going to get upset. And, and it's everything feel like that to me, if I played, would be unnecessary noise. It's not benefiting me. Yeah, but there's it's an, not going to help me. But if you grew up, and Kirk Cousins is, he's definitely prime millennial age. You know, he he feels like right. an old soul. You're right. Yep. When you grow up immersed in it, you grew up with the internet, with email, with social media. Yeah. It's easier said than done to say, oh, I'll just cut yourself off. Like, I would think that, yeah, I would cut myself off from it. But I think there's something inside you that just craves that feedback from people. 
Interesting. It's a little bit like, I don't know if it was like this for you in high school and junior high, but yearbook time. You craved like the people to sign your yearbook and no. write a note inside the yearbook. Like, oh, I just, you want that validation from people. No, I didn't, I didn't care. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I'm in the minority. We're the best summer ever. <laughs> it's like, no, you won't. I won't even talk to you. I don't even like you. Right. But it's all about, I see what you're saying. It's though. all and about, you're right. it's a younger, ego feed really. And you're right. You're it, right. It's He's 30 feed. something or yeah. Good point. Can we get a brief, uh, state of the wild? Address oh yeah. Here? I'm sorry about that. I almost yeah, forgot. Yeah, we got a few minutes until we can okay, tonight, get to Roycey. Tonight should be the night, if I'm mistaken, there's 12 games in the league, including the Wild playing the Ducks. Now, the Ducks stink. So <laughs> the Wild might win by accident. But if they don't, and believe me, I hope they don't, they could finally fall out of a playoff spot. In fact, how, are they, the horn. how are they still okay. in playoff position? Do you want to... Okay, I'm going to give you the judge choice here. Do you want a state of the wild, or do you want me to rant about the state of this league? Because I am disgusted. <laughs> you pick. Do you want a state of the wild, which hmm. is actually, or do you want a Judd Western Conference assessment? Your pick. And now, Judd Zolgad rants about how hockey is random. I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't care what you call this. Because I no no. I'm I, I am PO'd. I am, I am, and I was sitting in the press box and I tweeted this on Sunday at that despicable Blues Wild game in which the Blues played great and the Wild was awful. Dog, you know what? Anyway, I am disgusted beyond reason here about the fact that the Minnesota Wild, losers of eight of nine or nine of 10, it doesn't matter at this point, still holds as we speak right now, this evening. The second and final wild card spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, they're five games under five hundred. Yeah, this makes me want to puke. This, this is this is NBA Eastern Conference level. But this is disgusting. Utility. This is disgusting because at the start of the year we all talked about, or th- those of us who like this sport talked about, the Western Conference really competitive again. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Look at the bottom of the Western Conference: Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, Chicago, and I don't care that they are playing better. Vancouver, Arizona, the Ducks. The Oilers and the Kings. Look at that. It's garbage. It's crap. And for the Minnesota Wild, after the way they've played, to still be where they are, they have no business. They should call the league right now and, honest to God, say, we are declining being in the eighth spot. You know, I would put a positive spin on this because I'm firmly rooting for the Wild to finish with the worst record possible because that's how they get a better draft pick and that's yeah, how they, that. that's how yeah, they go I'm forward. Totally right? with you on this. So here's the bright side to this. The Western Conference is just mostly mediocre, from what I can tell. You've got like, like I think Winnipeg's got some good you, players. You and, might be being kind right now, but yes, but but it's not dumpster fire bad because the teams at the bottom of the standings are all still within eight points of the playoffs. But doesn't that makes me but here, sick? But, here, but here's I'm, the I'm good Ill. news: it means the Wild. You only have to trade away a few players. Okay, I, I love it. Yes, you are eight points away from having the worst record in the Western Conference. Give yourself the horn. Give yourself the horn. That's fantastic. That's a great point. Yes, you're right. So it is like almost every other year when they're in this spot and you're saying, all right, are they going to get the fire lit under their breezers and take a, take a run for it? Or are they going to tank? And you look at the Western Conference and you say, well, if they tank, they're never going to. When I say catch, I mean at the bottom. Yep. They're, in most years you say, well, they're never going to catch the Coyotes or they're never going to catch right. the Oilers. Right. Who are perennial bottom feeders until the Oilers recently? Although the Oilers have the second the worst Oilers record. Are back down. Don't but this yeah. year, if they trade away some pieces yes. and if they keep losing, yes. it's feasible that they could finish with the worst record in the Western Conference. Preach it, Amen. 
The only team that they probably can't catch in the league is Ottawa. Well, they could finish with the second worst record in the NHL if they just put in a little more effort here. Here's what I don't get. That's right. I'm Judge Bullgat today. No, you're exactly right, and I love it. Here's what I don't get. And, and I leaves for one day, and you two switch roles. And I'd like to thank this team. The Chicago Blackhawks had it so right. They were dumpster diving. They were uh, they were awful. They fired their coach. They brought in a young coach. They made some moves. And now, going into tonight's action, they are one point behind the Wild for the second wild card spot. The Chicago Blackhawks were on track to being awful. Like, great draft pick. I'm like, this is genius. This is really, really smart. And now the Blackhawks have rebounded, and they might make the playoffs, which is hopeless, by the way. If they make the playoffs, they're going nowhere. So, But you're right, and, and the Wild has a very good chance. You know who is jealous as all hell right now in this town sports-wise? Who? Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are sitting down in Florida looking at Paul Fenton and saying, you lucky SOB. You get to trade everyone Paul your first Fenton, year. Paul Fenton, <laughs> Paul Fenton has the plan going that Derek and Thad desperately wanted, right? 103 lost team. We're going to be bad again. We can make trades. We can fire the manager. We can go into 2018 with a hard reset button, right? You make the playoffs. What the hell? So anyway, Paul Fenton is watching this futility. I don't know what the Wild's doing. It's not hockey. It's just awful. But he's watching that, I think, and thinking, this is what I can use. This is what I I wanted because I can bail now. And you're right. He can bail backwards. He can make a couple deals. He can get worse and worse. And guess what? He's in year one. They've got, uh, let's see, I think it's four games until the deadline. They've got a bunch of games in a row. They've got, they've got Thursday, Friday, Sunday this weekend. And that's after the Anaheim game tonight. This is the key. You get these matchups against fellow potential tanking teams. The next three matchups against Anaheim. It's a tanking it's a team, you'd team. think. It's a bad team. The Rangers are second to last in their division. They Detroit might try. is not very good. you got to lose these games against teams that aren't very good. Oh, they'll work on you that. Can't, you can't pop up and win a few games before the trade deadline. This is a crucial time if you're truly committed to tanking. Second. Before the trade deadline, you yep. can't win these games. You know the best part is? I think Paul has already said, I don't care what they do. But yeah, you're right. Go ahead and continue to play awful hockey. Lose these games. Do us all a favor. And on Monday, dump as much as you possibly can. Get as bad as you po- as I don't care. There's a few players I wouldn't trade, but that's it. But yes, this works out perfectly. So if in theory you wanted to watch this tank fest and you didn't have tickets. Oh, I know where you're going with this. And I like it because here's what you do. You go to my friends at SeatGeek, SeatGeek.com. And the great thing about that is now you can watch the Tank Fest because you've got tickets. Because as we know, good or bad, a game is never really sold out, right? There's always tickets available. But then there's two key things. Where do you get those tickets and whom can you trust? The answer to both of those questions, of course, is my friends at SeatGeek. Because SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for the price that you're willing to pay. SeatGeek designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Just go to SeatGeek.com and you'll see all the ticket buying options. By searching by searching multiple ticket sites and grabbing every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats that fit your budget. SeatGeek, your go-to source for everything from not just sports, but concerts, comedy, and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the Seeky Cap and enter the promo code Judd. That's promo code Judd, J-U-D-D, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Go to SeatGeek.com today. All right. As we prepare for blizzard number nine of February here in the Twin Cities, we'll put the ball on a tee for Pat. Where are you right now, Patrick Royce? 
Well, we're on Captiva, the uh, Twin Cities chapter of the Baseball Writers Association meeting called an emergency meeting today <laughs> with some special guests. So we're uh, we're awaiting uh, the command to go inside and eat at the Monkey Duck. But uh, these sissies that I'm with just, just went down to take a photo at the beach with the sun going down. Oh, ain't that cute? Oh, you're and you're too you're too cool for that. Didn't Pat? you just take? No, didn't you tweet a photo table. of that? We waited for a table for an hour, and then they got to go down and get a photo thing. Oh, anyway. that's that's nice. That's well, nice. anyway, your yeah. tweet your tweet of the uh, sunset was nice on a day where we're as Phil said expecting more snow tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, you know what they do out here? They applaud the sun. What does sun do? I mean, it just that what it does what it does every day. I do it. I do it. Let it have it. Look at it. I just look at it. Pat, you know, you know how you know you're rich. You ever, you ever pay close attention on the drive out to Captiva or back? You know how you know you're rich when your house doesn't have an address; it has a name. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That is, uh, yeah, that is uh, the, the case. And uh, you know how else you, you know you're rich when your house is being advertised for sale by South Beach? You know. <laughs> Southbees is the one selling it. That means it's worth the money. That means there's an extra comma in the asking price. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> anyway, Glad to hear life is tough. We, uh, we're, uh, the, the big story here is the cut on uh, Miguel's foot. Uh, they think a week or ten days, but uh, I don't know what he's going to be able to do in that meantime. I, they, I think he got cut way back on January 23rd. That was the last uh, game that that team played. So uh, I guess he just kind of put a bandage on it at home and didn't pay any attention to it. And he got here, and uh, and uh, I don't know how much they knew about it before he arrived. But uh, now they're, uh, you know, they're, he can still do the upper body stuff, but uh, probably put him back about ten days here. Hey Pat, do, do you know when? Do you know when you're a kid and there's that kid in your school and it's always something? Like he's all the kid's always sick, or he's always hurt, or he's always doing something. I feel that's Miguel. Yeah, uh, a lot of it was, uh, and it's been his fault. But in this case, I think somebody jumped up and down, up and down when they're winning their first pennant in sixty years and stepped on him. So I don't think uh, I don't think we could. Although if you read the comments on the Star Tribune story, I I saw a few. It's it's all Miguel's fault, and he's a waste, and you might as well get rid of him right now. Uh, Pat, earlier in the show, we found, I don't know if you've seen this, but ESPN the magazine did a lengthy feature going inside the details of, of Tim Donaghy, that crooked NBA ref, like basically oh, yeah. the yeah. whole backstory. And there's, it's worth the read. It's going to take you an hour to read it, but it's, it's, it's a lengthy read. But it goes into detail about how the people that were backing him and the people that, or the people that were putting him in the position to sway games were so nervous about how obvious he was where, <laughs> Like it'd be, he would he called like four fouls on Vince Carter in a quarter in a game in which the spread was in doubt, or he'd call twelve oh, really? fouls on one team and one on the other, and you know it'd be right on the spread line. So what do, what do you remember? Do you remember covering you know, any games in which he was refing? No, I well yeah I saw him ref, but I guess I don't know if I if I saw anything that made him look worse than anybody else. But it isn't, you know, I don't think that story, as big as that story was, I don't think it was ever big enough, do you? That's what Judd was no. saying. 
I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was ever big enough that you had a crooked referee. <laughs> I know. You know, getting paid off. You know, we've accused guys of getting paid off for years, but you had one that was working with bad guys. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's pretty astounding. There's the two stories in my lifetime that I think were under publicized was uh, that and the and uh, Aaron Hernandez and the connection with the uh, with the Patriots and how much. How much did they know he was a bad guy? They didn't know he was a murderer, but how much did they, you know, cover up in his personal behavior and all those, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, that's one of the great embarrassments in history. Yeah. What, what does it say I about the pa- the Patriots' Teflon abilities when, when, you li- when you say, all right, Patriots scandals, and you think of deflated footballs before you think of the oh, yeah. tight end who murdered people? Yes, that's right. You're exactly right. Uh, yeah, and, and fans. You ever, you know, when fans are mad at the Patriots' wedding, and that's the first thing they ever met. Well, they cheated. They taped practice, and they, and they, uh, you know, and Brady had a football that, by the way, when they found out it was deflated in the second half, he had a better half than the first half. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they don't say, well, they drafted a guy who had the potential to murder people and didn't do anything about it. So, he killed a couple people. I mean, you know, stuff happens, right. Pat. Uh, Machado, ten years, three hundred mil. Your thoughts? Ooh, I didn't think you'd get that much. I, uh, now, uh, now Harper is uh, now the challenge has been laid out for Boris. First guy who comes up yeah. with first team that comes up with three twenty wins, right? Yes. Which will be who? The know. Phillies? The Phillies? The Nationals? Does he go back to Washington? Can he go back there? I think he can. Uh, though they said it's off the table because they've gone, they've done other stuff. All right. But, uh, uh, you know, they got, they gave Patrick Corbin all that money and stuff, but I, I don't know. He doesn't want to go to Philly. That's his problem. But is, he must is he afraid of it or what? Why? I just don't think he likes the town. I just don't think he likes the place. He's, but, I think he, it seems like if the Giants were the team that offered, the the Phillies level money would be a no brainer for him, right? He wants to play on the yeah. West Coast, San Francisco. But boy, I don't know. If you're a left handed hitter, do you want to play in that ballpark? You know, if you want to hit six or seven hundred home runs, you want to play in that ballpark? I don't think so. I mean, Barry Barry Bonds hit a few balls into the ocean in his day, so yeah. kind of depends. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? What? Since he left, there's been about three splash downs, right? <laughs> That's I mean, true, actually. Yeah. Hits, I mean, right center there is—it's uh, not right. It's not hitting it down the line, but it's right center field is just enormous. And then you have so many days where the air is heavy and the ball's not carrying. It's. Uh, that's the toughest. I think that's the toughest place in uh, in baseball to hit a home run. So I don't know. Whereas he's got to do something now. The challenge has been laid up. Machado's agent has got to be cackling, right? When we all said he cost himself fifty million dollars by not running to first base, yep. didn't happen. Yeah. So, so the the White Sox reportedly offered two hundred fifty mil over eight years to Machado, but incentives and options drove it up to three fifty, and he said no. Huh. So well, you want to that's go to interesting. San Diego, huh? Yep. Well, that's you know the guy who owns uh, who runs that operation. Uh, in uh, San Diego, and I, he's a Minnesota Fowler guy. He's a Minnesota guy. Really? And, uh, yeah, he's been running that. I think it's Fowler. He's been running that for a while, but they haven't done anything. They've been cheap. Every time they 
they spent some money there, they turn around and give up and let let guys go. But in this case, they're obviously trying to win. So yeah. These uh, baseball writers here are being a little rowdy. Can you hear us okay? We've heard a couple a couple loud outbursts. Tell Wetmore to keep it down over there, okay? Yeah. yeah. He's, what, he's, uh, tell Wetmore you're supposed to put the sunscreen on, not drink it, okay? <laughs> you should see him. It's an embarrassment as usual. You know, he's, a, he's still an albino. You know. He's Richard Cunningham, it's Pat. It's a disgrace that you send a guy down here for three weeks and he looks like a... You know, he looks like a white picket fence. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, he has he has volunteered to read some of the mean tweet responses to his videos that have been sent out. So he's okay. He might have to do that tomorrow and touch them all. What's the? Uh, you're, you're, what, I've never I've never been uh, out to eat with a better appetizer master than Pat Royce. What is the uh, appetizer well, spread at I, Monkey Duck tonight? They're not uh, fantastic. Although we just said I was up buying beers for the folks. And uh, I don't drink it, but I like to buy it. And, uh, and uh, they had an appetizer that somebody wasn't claiming a shrimp thing. And I said, we'll take it. I'll yeah. take it out here. So <laughs> oh, wow. I don't even know what it was, but I bought it. So it was good. Kind of a shrimpy thing with some sauce on it. So it's good. But the, the thing about the monkey duck, best clam chowder in, uh, that I've ever eaten. So that's the main reason for being here. And then you go for whatever fish they got on the menu. So. That sounds pretty good. Yep, yeah, it ain't bad at all. It's, uh, you know what? They uh, sitting on Docker of the Bay, followed by Margaritaville. Follow the music they play here. It's pretty predictable out here. Yeah, it's, I, I suppose there's a formula. There's about six songs. <laughs> you just keep them on rotation and keep the beer flowing. Margaritaville, man. Alive. Oh, Jimmy what Buffett's the smart. Jimmy Buffett's the <laughs> smartest guy of all time. Song? What did that? This mediocre talent. It made him a, Be careful down there. Be careful. Be careful down there saying that about uh, Buffett. You might get in big trouble. They might take you That's out. That's true. That's true. Well, if you don't get what, your fix. Uh, we got uh, we got the, uh, the uh, Timberwolves return to action. And I said this on Twitter today. What? Has Robert Covington retired and nobody knows it? Uh, what the hell? Yeah, a, knee bruise, right? It's cap. We had a knee bruise. It's a knee bruise. Yeah, it is apparently the deepest what knee the bruise in NBA Tommy history. Her. We traded for Tommy. You know what it is? Again. You know what it is, Pat? It's all Tibbs' fault. He played him too much. Wore yeah, him down to a true. nub. But are we trying to lose, or we're we trying to make the playoffs? Because I can see if we're trying to lose and get a better draft choice. No, it sounds like he's legitimately been hurt with a very bad deep knee bruise. Now, Judd and I were doing some wild standings number crunching uh, last segment. And the Wild, if they can somehow drop eight more points between now and the end of the season, would finish with the worst record in the Western Conference. If their mission is to tank, it's within it's within aren't range. We hoping they, aren't we all hoping they squeeze into the playoffs just to irritate Judge? <laughs> yeah, thanks Actually, a lot. yeah, I think that's, a, lot. that's a good point. You're buying beers down there, sitting in the sun, trying to bug a guy who's sitting in Minnesota. <laughs> hey, did you see my Twitter feed today about the... Uh, you know, 1973, uh, yes. four, five. I retweeted you. We ripped them up, and uh, didn't you all see? My- we need is a merger between the Coyotes and the Wild, and we'll uh, we'll make this didn't, thing up fun. Didn't you see my tweet asking if JP d- didn't have a full no move clause that didn't allow the trade yeah. to the Islanders? Well, that's uh, that's uh, probably true. He did not uh, have a uh, no not. move clause, but uh, it was uh, it was unbelievable what. The little they got Craig Cameron for him for God's sake. 
You know, what do you have, three goals in his life? Like you said, it took Louie to save the day and convince him to merge the franchises. Have you had Louie tell you that story yet on the... Uh, oh, yeah, two weeks ago. Podcast. Two weeks okay. ago, the entire podcast about the merger. It was great stuff. Okay. Yeah. I got to listen to it. All right, yeah. You should. All right, Pat. We'll let you go back to, the, to the beat writer dinner. See ya, Enjoy buying beers for guys. All right, see ya. You're trying to torment me for no reason when you're... I'm very bitter. I love how he's literally just like sitting... If 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 There's probably people who have been to the Mucky Duck on Captiva Island, but it is an island off of the... the uh, like, I guess it's just south of Fort Myers. I've never been there, but... Oh, really? I've heard about the trip. The the view is better than the actual food. Yeah, it's good, but it's yeah. just like you're literally sitting on the a picture. Yeah, yeah, and so they're down there. Uh, Derek had to tape early with us today because they had to get. I was going to ask you why he we waited for a blizzard to hit. Here, I thought he was waiting on uh, you know a sit down with Rocco or Derek or Thad. Oh, no. or Jason Castro. No, it's a sit it's a sit down with like uh, Dan Hayes, so he could go down there and take a picture <laughs> with the group. It's a sit down with Lavelle Neal, which they'll then tweet much. out. Yeah, the mayor of Fort Myers, Lavelle Neal, man. <laughs> It's a good life. Yeah, baseball's a grind, except in the two months of Midwest winter, which case it's- I am shocked that Patrick is now taking appetizers that he just sees. He, that's an art for him. Like, if you go out to eat with Pat, he'd be like, what's this? That's the nacho. Okay, give me two of those, three of the clam things. I think the record, one time I was out to eat with Pat, it was Pat, and it was four of us. It was like Pat and me and two others. And he ordered five appetizers, yeah. five appetizers for yes. the four of us before we got to the and you probably stuff. gained <laughs> and you probably personally gained no fewer than eight pounds that night. Three calamaries, yep. uh, some of the and some of the uh, yeah, yeah, some of that thing that yeah, you know the thing I'm talking about. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on demand at the all new scorenorth.com. That's s k o r north.com. Raised by Wolves next live. If you own a small to medium sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's refunds with an S, pro.com. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.